Matthew chapter 8. And I'm going to read from verse 5 onwards. Matthew chapter 8 from verse 5 onwards. Please pray this prayer after me. Lord, open my eyes to see your truth. Lord, open my eyes to see your truth. Lord, open my ears to hear your truth. Lord, open my ears to hear your truth. Lord, open my mind to receive your truth. Lord, open my mind to receive your truth. Lord, open my heart to keep your truth. Lord, open my heart to keep your truth. Let me be a doer of your word. Let me be a doer of your word. And not a hearer only. And not a hearer only. Let me bring forth much fruit. Let me bring forth much fruit. To the praise. To the praise. And glory. And glory. Of God the Father. Of God the Father. And the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. I will listen. I will listen. And obey. And obey. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Two passages the Spirit of the Lord brought to me. And we will see how the Lord will lead. We're going to start with this and see what God wants you, whether he wants to go with the um, second passage today or he would have it for another day. I don't know, but God wants me to start with this. So we will go from here. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 onwards. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many come from, many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way as you have believed. So let it be done for you. And the servant was healed that very same hour, that same hour. Praise be to God. I'm reading from the New King James Version. When you hear people say that if you're in the family of God, God can never send you away. It goes directly against the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is God saying over here? If the sons who are in the kingdom don't have faith, what will happen to them? They'll be cast away. Where? Not somewhere in some shelf in some waiting period, no. They'll be cast away into utter darkness where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In short, the sons are the kingdom of heaven. That means those who say that we are believers and we know Jesus and we follow him and we are his children. Those who say that and those who are actually there. Jesus didn't say those who claim to be sons. You know, there are people who say, oh, those who don't go to heaven never got saved to begin with. No, that's not true. Jesus says here, these are people who actually entered into the kingdom of God and became his children. These children of God are children by faith. You will continue in your sonship by faith. If that faith is not there, what will happen? You will be replaced by those who have faith. God will put new people in your spot. This is God's word. These are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we can bypass this and say something else, saying that I don't believe God will send his children to hell, we're speaking the lies of the enemy at that point. God says something. It is for us to be careful. It is for us to know that the first will be last and the last will be first. We have to understand that if we don't hold fast to what God has given to us, Satan will come and take it away from us. You know, there are people who will be looking somewhere else and what will happen? What they have, somebody will take it away. And um, only those who hold fast to it will not lose it. So God is speaking here. He says, look, Many will come. Who? Many will come, verse 11, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. 
This is talking about those who will go to heaven and those who will not go to heaven. This is the gospel. If someone else comes and preaches a different gospel, don't believe that. You don't want any surprises when you close your eyes and open your eyes in eternity, where your eternity is at stake. Think that, well, this preacher said that. Well, he said that. I'll be fine. And and nobody can take me away from God's hands. And all kinds of stories. Doesn't matter who says what. What does the word say? Especially the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Pay attention to it. Pay attention to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, in verse 11 and say to you that many will come from the east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Who are those people? Understand this. This is very important. These are very deep truths that the spirit of God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. Who will sit in the kingdom of heaven? Who? Those who have faith in God almighty. And those who prove by their actions that they have faith, otherwise it's hollow faith. It's empty faith. It has no substance. Who will actually sit in the kingdom of God with Abraham, with Isaac and Jacob? Who are the real sons of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob? Those who have the real faith. That means real faith will show itself in action. But the sons of the kingdom, those who were first, so to speak, those who were there before, those who say that, you know what? I was born here because of faith and I am in the family. What will happen to them? they'll be cast out into outer darkness. Because without faith, you can't stay. Without faith, you can't continue. If you don't have faith, automatically you'll get ejected. It's like this. Without oxygen, you can't live. I mean, if you think that air is air, gas is gas, who cares whether it's oxygen or carbon monoxide? As long as I have something to breathe. Don't I have something to breathe? We will die. If we think that if it's enough for us to have something to breathe, we need to have the right thing to breathe. When it comes to being able to breathe and live in the kingdom of God, in order to be able to enter into the kingdom of heaven, we need to have living faith. What do we need to have? Living faith. If we don't have living faith, which is, if we don't have works to show that our faith is real, as it says in the book of James, which is obedience to God's word. If my words are not backed up with my actions, if what I talk is not seen in my walk, what will happen? What will happen to who? What will happen to the sons of the kingdom? What will happen to those who originally, originally are entitled to the birthright? What will happen? It will be taken from their hands and given to Jacob. It will be taken from their hands and given to the people who come after them. God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. Never gamble with your life. Never gamble with eternity. What God has given to you, the Bible says, hold fast to eternal life. Hold fast to what God has given to you. Hold fast to the confidence that you first began with Christ. Hold fast to that. Because by holding fast to that, you will make it safely. You know, if you are in water and you need to make it to the other side, you are given a raft. You need to hold on to that until you make it to the other side. You can't say, well, I'm holding on, but my hands are hurting, so I'm going to let it go. You just sink to the bottom. We need to hold on to that lifeline God has given to us, which is faith. We need to breathe the right kind of air, which is oxygen. We need to have the right kind of liquid to drink, which is water. I mean, if you can say that, well, my body needs liquid. So why can't I sit down and drink kerosene or gasoline? What will happen? Think about that. Water is liquid. Gasoline is liquid too. Well, it doesn't vary just in density. The whole property in it is different. Whatever it's made up of, it's different. You know what? Your body is not made to drink gasoline. Cars can't drink that. Not a human body. Your body is made to live by food and water in the earthly realm. Your soul can only live on faith that God has given to a human being. 
if you don't have faith in God and in his word, and if your actions don't match your confession of faith, then what will happen to those who initially professed faith and became the sons of the kingdom? What will happen to them? They will be cast to the outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We must remember this. Why is Jesus bringing this at the end of a healing miracle that he did? Because it's very important for us to know the connection of faith to eternal life. Our faith in God is connected with our eternal life. The faith that we have to receive healing must take us to heaven. If not, whatever we are receiving is of no use. What is Jesus saying here about the centurion? Obviously, God is saying that the centurion is entering into eternal life. He is an outsider who is coming in. Look at you guys. You have no faith and look at him. He has somehow has grasped the con- the concept of how Jesus operates. And he has this concept that Jesus is the Lord. He is the boss. And he's the boss over what? He's the boss over all the diseases. So he's looking at Jesus and the centurion says, Oh, Jesus, I have people under me. The centurion is a ruler, a Roman soldier, over 100 people. I have these 100 soldiers under me. And when I tell one soldier to go and do this, he goes and he does it. I tell another man to go do something else and he goes and he does that. And so what is he telling Jesus? Lord, I am a centurion. I am a centurion. However, you're bigger than me, Jesus. Jesus is so kind enough to say, I hear your problem. I'll come to your house and I'll heal him. Because the, the typical method of healing was Jesus going there, touching somebody, Jesus going there to the person. The anointing of God travels to the place of contact. When the person is involved and he invites, that means the centurion was not sitting at home and saying, that, well, Jesus, if you are God, you come to my house. No, the centurion came to Jesus. So that effort is made. He came to where Jesus was. And so Jesus said, I'll come to where you are. But the centurion had a faith that's much greater than Jesus says that was in Israel. The people of God who's, who've seen miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And this man says, Lord, just like how I have authority over these people and these people, they obey me, not because I'm a man, but because I'm a man of authority. God is speaking to our hearts today. May this become crystal clear before you. A man is different from a man who has authority. A woman is different from a woman who has authority. That makes a difference when it comes to anointing. Satan is not afraid of a mere human being, but Satan is afraid of a human being who has God's authority. Nobody is afraid of a Roman citizen, but they are afraid of a Roman centurion who has authority. No soldier is going to go and submit himself or listen to a common citizen. No. But this Roman centurion had the power over hundred soldiers and all those hundred soldiers under his authority will listen to him they will obey him they will obey him so he says jesus i have this concept which is you are god over all sicknesses you are god over all diseases you're lord over everything you have the power over all these things Lord, you just speak to that disease from here. Because I know you have that power. When you say a word from here, I know that my servant will be healed. Because when you look at that disease that is inside my servant and you command that disease to get out, that disease, it must obey. It has to leave. Look at him expressing his faith in God, his humility to say, Lord, I don't want you coming all the way to my house for this. Lord, I'm not worthy, even though I'm a centurion. I may have a big house and and so many servants under me. I acknowledge that I'm tiny in front of you. I acknowledge your lordship. I acknowledge your power. I acknowledge your authority. 
But Lord, just say a word. That's enough. Say a word. Lord, say a word. And Jesus says this over here. Verse 10. Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. What is God looking for? Faith. What is God looking for among his people? Faith. When that faith is there, they can receive miracles. Now, when you look at faith, there are different types of faith. There are different qualities of faith, different quantities of faith, different degrees of faith. Not everyone's faith is the same kind of faith. Some have small faith, some have average faith, some have large faith, some have faith that will marvel God. Astounding faith. So Jesus saw faith in some parts of Israel, but not this kind of faith. So what's going on here? Comparison. If somebody says, oh, we can't compare. That's the devil. The devil doesn't want you to go forward. Oh, when you go to a store, how many of you, if you want to buy shoes, will just buy any shoes because I don't want to hurt the feelings of the the guy in the store or the maker of the shoes. I'm not going to compare the quality. No. Are you going to just go and get me blue shoes? Get me pink shoes? No. You're going to look and see how it's made. You're going to see how strong it's going to be. You're going to see whether it's going to hurt your feet or not. You know, there are some shoes that are very cheap. You wear them, you will get foot problems or feet problems, pain. But then there are other shoes that may look expensive, but you have the same kind of problems. So what are you supposed to do? You compare, you sit down, you wear, you walk and see, you make sure you're comfortable with it. And then you decide. You check different shoes. What are you doing there? You're comparing. When you go to the grocery store, how many of you say that? Well, I don't want to, you know, hurt the feelings of uh, the makers of broccoli here. This comes, So I'm not going to look and see which is good and which is bad. And I don't I don't compare. I don't want to, you know, be judgmental over these, you know, broccolis that I hear and uh, and hurt the feelings of the tomatoes over there. And and as par- I guess, oh, I'm not going to say that I'm not going to compare the quality. No. Even watermelon, when you look at it, you see which one is good. You tap and see. There's a comparison. You as a human being, when you go to a clothing store, you do that. You make sure that the garment is durable. You don't want to get something that you wear while you put it over your head. goes, it rips. You want something that is of good quality that will last when you wear. You want something that you like. You look for certain things when you go for clothing. You look for certain things when you go for shoes. You look for certain things when you go for jewelry. We look for something when you go for cars. Nobody's going to close their eyes and say, well, give me something. You look for something. Guess what? God looks for something. When he looks at his people, he looks for something. And you know how good God is? He actually tells us what he looks for. What is God looking for? He looks for faith. What is also God looking for? Humility. The Bible says people who are humble are very attractive to God. Very, very beautiful to God. A meek and gentle spirit, a quiet spirit is very, very, very beautiful in the sight of God. A person who has faith really gets the attention of God in no time like that. You know what? For such people, God will answer so fast. Faith from one person to the other person varies and there is a quality test that will happen when it comes to checking the faith of every single person. So no one can say, well, don't compare the faith of this person to that person. God does. He sees How great is your faith? How small is your faith? How weak is your faith? How hollow is your faith? He knows it all. Even when you have to go buy gold, the goldsmith will know exactly, or you go to sell gold or whatever it is, he will know exactly whether it's 10 carat, 14 carat, or it's actually just gold painted and it's hollow. It has nothing in it. A diamond jeweler will know exactly how many carats that is. What's the clarity of it? You'll know all these things. 
every professional in their area will look for quality if they're doing good business. They will want what is good. If you care about your body, you will want that which is good. If you care about your child, you'll want that which is good. God cares about his kingdom. What needs to get into heaven, he cares about it. Heaven is a beautiful place made for people whose faith has been put to test. And it comes out like gold. Only those are the people who will walk on streets of gold. Remember that. The centurion was a Roman citizen. He was not an Israelite. Guess what Jesus is saying? He's going to get in. Watch. He's going to get in. This Roman centurion, he's going to get in. He has what I'm looking for. Therefore, he's making this comparison. He says that the people of Israel who are supposed to be the ones going in because they've seen so many miracles, not because, you know, they were born as a Jew. God makes no partiality. He doesn't show any partiality. Jesus is not saying that, oh, because you're a Jew, you automatically go to heaven and all Gentiles go to hell. No. In every nation, whoever is godly and whoever is really looking for God, God will bring them in. And so he's looking for one thing, a common factor between the Jew and the Gentile. And he finds that factor. He says, you get in, you get in, you can get in, you can get in, you can get in. You can sit with Abraham. You know why? Abraham was the father of faith. He was someone who came from a pagan society. But when God came to him, he believed God and he got in. The father of faith. And who is going to sit with Abraham? Not the people who are circumcised. Understand this. Jesus is saying this. They're not entering in because of circumcision. You can do the act and not have faith. So he's looking for what? He's looking for faith. Not because somebody's a Jew, they're going to enter in. No. A Roman will enter in. A Gentile will enter in. A Samaritan will enter in. A Greek man will enter in. A Greek woman will enter in. The last shall be first and the first shall be last. Based on what? Based on their faith in God Almighty equals obedience to God Almighty. God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. We can never say, yeah, I came before. Ah, oh, if you came before, you expected more. Because you should be knowing more and you should be going ahead in your faith journey. If not, what happens? God says you'll be replaced with someone new. Someone who's outside. Someone who's a foreigner. God will put them in your spot. No one can say that I'm not replaceable. No, every single person is replaceable if we don't have what we need to have in order to make it to heaven. Understand this and take a deep in your heart. We can say, well, I'm the daughter of the king. I'm the son of the king. And so what? Do you have faith? Do you have works to show that you have faith? Are you living in obedience to God Almighty? Are you following what God said? If you don't, then what will happen? The sons of the kingdom will be cast out into the outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. God is looking for active faith. God is looking for genuine faith. God is looking for people whose hearts are loyal towards him. God is really looking for people who will believe in him and as a result of that, obey his word. Do what the word of God says. The centurion had that faith. His faith was so strong. He had some kind of a revelation. How Jesus was operating, he was able to explain it in a simplified manner. He was able to say, Lord, this is how I operate and this is how you operate. I operate in the natural and you operate in the supernatural. I have no power over the supernatural. You have power over the supernatural. So, Lord, I'm very small and I'm not capable. Lord, you just say a word. I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. He was not a person who said that, well, I'm a centurion. I have a big house. I'm a ruler. Let me walk with Jesus with my head held up. 
Let him come to my house and look at my servant. Let me show in front of all the servants that I have Jesus with me. No. He acknowledged who he was. He acknowledged who Jesus was. He was humble enough to say, Lord, I'm not worthy. We've seen this over and over and over again. Many times in our messages before. But the Spirit of the Lord has emphasized humility and faith. Humility and faith, when you put them together, is a perfect combination for miracles to take place. If you want to see God do a miracle in your life, if you want to see the impossible become possible, if you want God to change your circumstances, if you want, to, if you want God to do a miracle in your life, you need to have the faith that God is looking for and you need to have the humility that you need to have in order to approach God Almighty, in order for the miracle to take place. To come to a place of total surrender and say, Lord, I can't do anything, but you can. Because you can, I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to move out of the way. I'm going to let you be God in my life. God needs to look at us. God needs to be able to see our faith. Faith is visible. Faith is visible. Someone says, I have faith and they have no works. Then their faith is dead. Faith. The Spirit of the Lord has recorded in the book of James. Dead faith. I have faith, but I have no works to show. It's dead faith. That means we claim to have faith, but we don't have. Now, how many people write checks that will bounce? They don't have money in the bank, but they will write a check and they will give it. And what will happen? It will bounce. They knew that they didn't have money in the bank, but they still wrote the check. What are they doing? Deceiving. It's like the fig tree that stands up there with a blank with a check. I have checks, but I have no money in there. That's what empty faith is. God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. The fig tree had lots of leaves, but no figs to show. Figs are supposed to come and come first and then leaves appear after that. But this fig tree showed lots of leaves. Show. Outside, I look like I have everything. Everybody thinks I have fruit in there. But when Jesus sees it, he sees no fruit. That's what Jesus Christ gave that sentence or verdict to that fig tree saying that let no fruit ever come out. It showed something that was not true. It showed itself as something when it was not. You call that hypocrisy. God will forgive sinners, but hypocrites, they're in a very dangerous place when it comes to God because they put on a show. God is speaking to us today. We need to be real. Our faith should be real. If we want God to do a miracle for us, our faith has to be real. That means our life must line up with the word of God. It's not that I believe you can do all things, Lord. I believe, I believe, I believe. If you really believe he is, then you will obey his word. You'll be in the presence of God. You will do what God is telling you to do. When you do that, you really show that you're a Christ follower. You really believe in him. You really have faith in him. When you do what Christ tells you to do, at that point, you really show by your works that you have faith. Similarly, when it comes to humility, Humility will be seen. Humility is not something that cannot be seen. You know, just like how if you're alive, your eyes will blink and your mouth will move and your hands will move when you're alive. There'll be some sign of life. Even if people are paralyzed or something, something will move. Something will show that they have life. Visibly, there'll be something. Some kind of an activity taking place. I'm not talking about people who are brain dead. I'm talking about when there's life. That means when your brain is working, when your body is working, you'll have some kind of indication that it is working. That's how faith is. Faith is dead faith if it's like similar to somebody who's just there, brain dead, and nothing to show that they can't communicate, they can't do anything unless a miracle takes place. They need a miracle. Real faith will have something to show. Same goes for humility. If you're really humble, it'll be seen before God and man. 
Sometimes people say, I'm humble. God only knows my heart. I'm so humble. Really? He has to grade you. You don't grade yourself. That'll be deception. The day we say that I grade myself and I'm doing fine. Oh, no. That'll be false assessment. That'll be called a false assessment of one's own self. How many people will do this? Go to college, write an assignment and not submit it because they say that I know how I did. I give myself an A, period. And my GPA is going to be 4.0 because I grade myself and nobody can say how I'm doing my work. Who's my teacher to tell me what my grade is? Who are they to come and tell me that I'm making grammatical errors here? Who are they to come and tell me that I don't know how to align my paragraphs? Who are they to come and tell me that my sentence structure is wrong? Who are they to come and tell me that my physics formulas and chemistry formulas are wrong? Whatever I'm doing is right. I know what I'm doing is right. I give myself an A. Will it work in your school? Even in elementary, it won't work. If you write your ABCs upside down, you will get a zero. You'll be told to fix it. Go and trace. You can't write an upside down A and call it an A. It's not an A. A will be an A only if it looks like an A. Whatever you do has to line up with what has been told by God. And God will grade you. Based on his grade book, not based on what you think. Not based on who you think you are. Not based on what you think you have done. No. He will grade you. He will tell you where you stand. He will give you the grade for how you live. He will grade your faith. He will grade your humility. Based on that, he will bless you. Based on that, he will communicate with you. Based on that, he will show you his glory. So humility, write this down if you're taking notes. Humility cannot be hidden. We need to be hidden. That's what humility is. But humility itself cannot be hidden. When you're hidden, humility will be seen. Humility will be recognized by God and man. We can't say, I'm humble before God and then walk around proud before man and say that God knows my humility. God really knows. He'll give you zero. Humility has to be seen by God and man. That's what humility is. When you have a difficult time to humble yourself, you know that. Well, you have set yourself up against the living God. Grace will be removed. When you act arrogant and proud, understand that. You've set yourself up against God Almighty. Whatever grace that has been given by God to you graciously will be removed at that point. But for those who are like the centurion, though he was a man of authority and power, he recognized the anointing of God that was on Jesus. He recognized the power of God that was on Jesus. He recognized who Jesus was and he knew how to humble himself in order for his faith to make contact with the living God. We saw this in LTS. The first step, even before we could do anything, is humility. If we want our faith to work, if we want our faith to make contact with God, its foundation or its platform is humility. Faith is like the body and humility is like the legs. If you take away humility, your faith will become paralyzed. Your faith cannot walk. It can't go anywhere. It'll just stay in one place. It'll be like two legs cut off completely. Humility will carry your faith. Humility will carry your faith. Your humility before God will be humility before man. Your faith before God will be faith in God before man. There's no such thing as hiding my faith. There's no such thing as being secret believer. There's no such thing as, oh, I want to hide myself. I don't want to tell anyone that I believe in Jesus. Well, Jesus said this. If you're ashamed about your faith in Christ on earth, then God will be ashamed of you in heaven. That means your name will not be pronounced there. Your name will not be said there. It's not a good thing. Because our name should be called in that roster in heaven. 
if we have to go inside. If he's not going to call our names, we're not going to go in. Our faith has to be before God and in God before men. Our faith has to be expressed before God, in God, and our faith in God must be shown to man, before man, in the presence of man. Same thing, love. There's no secret love. If someone says, I love you so much, I love you to death, or when they come outside, they don't want to identify themselves with you. When they come outside, they say, I'm not going to say anything about you because, you know what, um, I want to just keep it private. It's not love. True love will show itself in action. Jesus didn't say, I love you so much. I keep you in my heart. I keep your pictures before me. And that's it. No. He went to the cross and displayed his love on the cross before everyone. For God so loved the world. What did he do? He made Jesus a public display of his love. And because Jesus loved us so much, he made himself as a public display in front of everyone. In front of everyone. It is God's love that God puts inside of us where we communicate. God's love to those around us and we communicate our love for God to those around us. How many of you will say, I love my child, but I'm not going to tell that this is my child when I go outside. I'm not going to tell that this is my husband when I go outside because it's not fair to other kids, you see. Because I don't want other kids to think that he's my child. But when he's at home, I show him love privately. Odd, isn't it? We need to know that we treasure what belongs to us. We show God that this belongs to us. And we show people too that this belongs to us. We show God that he belongs to us. And we show people that he belongs to us. That God belongs to us. That love will show itself in action. How did Abraham show his love for God? When God said, take your only son to Mount Moriah. He said, I'm going right now. What was he doing? He displayed his love. Which equals his faith. Which equals his fear of God. God is speaking to our hearts today. Humility, true humility, will be seen by God, shown to God, seen by God, and it will be seen by men also. True faith will be seen by God and it will be seen by men also. True faith in God. True love for God will be seen by God and must be seen by men also. When we say that I love God very much, but I won't tell anyone that I'm following Jesus. Something's wrong at that point. You can't keep love to yourself. It's not true love. You can't keep your faith to yourself. It's not true faith. You can't say that I'm humble before God. God knows my humility, but I'm not going to humble myself before man. That's not humility. True humility, true faith, and true love will be witnessed by God, will be witnessed by man, will be witnessed by the devil. It will be witnessed by your own conscience. Four people bear witness, understand this. God bears witness to your faith. I've spoken on this before and I'm speaking on this again as the Spirit of the Lord wants me to. Four people bear witness all the time to my faith in God, to my humility before God, and to my love of God. God will bear witness to how much faith I have. How strong, how weak my faith is. Satan will bear witness to how strong and how weak my faith is. Always understand the supernatural world is looking at us all the time, whether we see it or not. God sees it, the devil sees it, the angel sees it, the evil spirit sees it. Heaven sees it, hell sees it. So the supernatural world is looking at us. God sees it. Satan sees it. That's one and two. And then the third is your own conscience from inside sees it. Your own conscience knows. That's the closest 
person next to God and the devil who actually know the real you. Your own conscience knows you. Whether your faith is real or hollow. Whether your love for God is deep or it's shallow. Whether your faith, your love and your humility before God is deep or shallow. May God speak to our hearts. That's number three. God sees it. The devil sees it. And your conscience sees it. And four is those around you will see it. And it begins with those who live at home with you. They know the real you. They see you. And those in your family, those at your workplace. So number four is your human circle. They see you. First is heaven. Second is hell. Third is your own conscience. Four is those around you will see you. You know what? You can put on a good show even before those who are closest to you in your house. Very good show. And you can deceive even your conscience. Understand that. This is deep. You can put on a good show and you can deceive others and you can deceive yourself. It's biblical. What I'm saying is biblical. You can be deluded. You can deceive yourself saying that I'm doing good. I'm doing fine. That's what happened to Saul. But you can't deceive God and you can't deceive Satan because they just see you as you are. Crystal clear before God. Crystal clear before the devil. They just see everything. And based on your life, you either have power with God or Satan has power over you. If you submit to God and if you are true in your walk with God, then you have the power to resist the devil. If you don't, then your actions will show that you have no power over the devil. You have no power to resist. You know why? Because you're not walking right with God. Simple as that. If you're walking in the light, if you're walking with God, if you're doing that which is right, then your words will have power. When it comes to driving out the devil, when it comes to fighting the spiritual warfare, one-on-one with the devil. Now, there are external things that you will need, extra help and extra intervention from those who have the anointing of God that is much higher than you. But when it comes to resisting the devil, when it comes to your temptations, every believer will have the power over the tempter. Every believer will have have power over the evil spirit that will come to pull them down. Every believer will have. When? When they walk in obedience to God Almighty. If they don't walk in obedience to God Almighty, then they will not be able to resist the devil because disobedient people cannot have the power to resist the devil. Only those who submit to God, only those who obey God will have the power to resist the devil. In short, how will you know whether your life is really real? Whether you have power over the enemy? Whether you're able to overcome the temptation? That shows whether you're obedient to God or not. Simple as that. So you can fool yourself and you can fool others around you. But you can't fool God and you can't fool the devil. Because when you don't submit to God, Satan will have power over you. You'll be a failure. Failure after failure after failure. You can only cover up to so much. You can put full hand sleeve if it has leprosy, if you have leprosy all over. You can put all the way up to here and fashionable clothing all over with leprosy spreading. But the foul odor that comes from there, nobody can cover it up. You can put perfume as much as you want. But eventually it'll come up and eventually it'll eat up the mouth, eat up the nose and eat up the toes. And you can cover fully, but how much can you cover? Eventually, no perfume can cover that up. That's what sin will do. That's what disobedience to the word of God will do. So it's important, as the Lord says, while it is day, while it is day, night comes when no man can work. While it is day, night comes when no man can work. You know how how people cry out and say, hey, whatever you see now, if it is stage one cancer, you can at least catch it and do something about it. Don't wait till it is stage four. Don't wait till you come to a place where you can't do anything about it. Yet there are a lot of people who go all the way there saying that I'll be fine, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. And then they're not fine. Suddenly it just comes with a full force. You can't do anything about it at that point. While it is day, while you can, 
while God is calling you, while the grace of God is still available, make use of it. Because the time will come when the children of the kingdom will be cast away. And who will come and sit? Let me read this to you. Verse 11. And I say to you that many will come. How many? Many will come from the east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Who are those people? People of real faith, people who really obey, people who really humble themselves, people who are real, period, not hypocrites. All those people will come and sit with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. How can they sit? They will sit in the seats of those who were disobedient. All those who were sitting in the seat and were disobedient, they'll be taken from there and they'll be replaced with those who are obedient. Don't you think it happens in this world? If you go to work and you don't do your job properly, what will happen to those people? They will get fired. Have you heard about that terminology? You will be removed. When you don't do your job properly, you'll be removed. And what happens? Because they remove you, you're not doing the job properly. The job doesn't get done? No. Someone who is better than you will be placed in that seat. You can cry over it. You can be angry at the people who have taken your place. But you know what? The truth is, you didn't do your job. God replaced Saul with David. Because Saul didn't do his job. God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. When you think about the mercy of God. He never throws anyone right away. He never throws out anyone right away. Mercy after mercy after mercy after mercy. But then you know what? His job is to get done. No one can take the space over there in the kingdom of God, bringing stench to God. But they don't want, they want, they want to take a bath. They don't want to brush their teeth. They want to clean up themselves and they want to have a mess all around and, and they say, this is how I'll be and this is how heaven is going to be. God says, oh no, you don't. You can't come and pollute my kingdom here and you can't pollute my kingdom there. So what does God do? He says, those who have faith, those who are ready for the job, those who can, he takes them all in and he replaces the bad with the good. That's what happened even with vegetables. If an apple is rotten, what do they do? They take that and they throw it away. If you see a bag with rotten apple, at least I won't take it. I'll go look for a bag, look all around, make sure there's nothing rotten. Same thing with oranges. How many of you have gone to the store and you've seen moldy oranges? How many of you would say, well, that's okay, I'll take it home? No. If you don't want a rotten vegetable, how do you think that God wants a rotten human being in heaven? Think about it. God is there. You don't want certain things, but you want God to take you the way you are. It doesn't happen that way. But God is willing to make the rotten into something good by removing the rottenness off if you want to cooperate with God so that he can take away the rottenness out of you. But in order for that to happen, you have to surrender your life to God Almighty. Otherwise, what God says here will happen, which is, those who are coming from the outside, who have the faith that God is looking for, because God is constantly looking for something, faith. Faith that works. That means people who obey his word. That means people who have real humility. That means people who have real faith. And he says, I'll take people like the centurion into heaven. The people who say that, oh, I'm a believer. Oh, I know God. I know his word and speak lots of scriptures. Because they have a lot of exposure to the word. But they have no personal consecration and obedience whatsoever at the moment. Always remember, your past experience will not take you to heaven. Your past experience will not take you to heaven. Understand that. Your present experience, where you are now, is very important. And where you will be is also very important. So don't rely on your past testimonies and past achievements. It's only good for a short time. But it's not going to take you to heaven. How many of you can say, well, I passed my first grade. 
You want to party? Throw a party for that? You're in 12th grade, but you keep saying, I passed my first grade. I passed my first grade. But you have trouble over here. Somehow pushed all the way to 12th. And now you have to really take your board exam. You didn't study at all, all these years. I passed my first grade. I know my ABCs. Well, your test over there in 12th grade is not. Write down your alphabets properly. And some won't even know how to write it. Won't know how to spell simple words that come and sit. I've seen some high school students. That's the reason why I'm saying. These are true. Yet they want to somehow graduate. And yet they want all these things. But you know what? They will not sit down and put in the hours to get what they need to get. Party here, party there. Try to be cool, so to speak, in the wrong way. And get zero, zero, zero. Why won't you fail? Why won't you get zero? When you don't sit down and do what you need to do. Same thing goes in your spiritual life. You can't claim past passes or successes that you got in your first grade or kindergarten and say that, well, I have that. I at least passed that. No, no. No, you need to pass where you are now. Every test that comes before you, make sure you pass. The centurion not only passed, he had distinction. <laughs> he got the attention of God Almighty. And who was he? Not a Jew. Not someone who saw miracles that God did for his dad, for his granddad, for his great-granddad. And he's not from the tribe of Levi and the tribe of Judah and from Israel where they saw their forefathers cross the Red Sea and manna from heaven. No, 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 no. He didn't know any of those things. But from what he saw and heard, he said, I'm going after this because I know what I'm hearing is true and this is the truth. And guess what? He got seat right next to Abraham. Not the Jewish people. Not those who circumcised. Not those who said that we belong to Abraham. No. Unfortunately, a lot of them, Jesus says, they'll be cast out. Same thing applies for believers. People who didn't know anything about Jesus. They'll all go in. They'll all go in. They'll sit right next to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know why? Because they were qualified. How were they qualified? By their faith in God. When God looked for faith, he found faith. What kind of faith? Not hollow faith, not shallow faith, but real faith. How do you know? They had the fruit to show. Their works showed. Their actions showed. Their talk showed. Their mannerisms showed. These are people of righteousness, workers of righteousness. God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. Take every word that God has spoken. Take it to heart. And be a doer of the word. God will do great things in your life. You too can become like the centurion. You too can become like the centurion. He made use of what he heard. He heard that Jesus was able to do everything. He had such faith to the extent that he even had a revelation of how it worked in the spiritual realm. The centurion. But Jesus says, he will sit right next to Abraham. People like these will sit right next to Abraham. Jesus is saying something deep because he knew the centurion's heart. Not much is written beyond this here. But the words of Jesus Christ spoken here is enough for us to know. God just writes a few sentences what we need to know. May God speak about you like how he spoke about the centurion. May we be the people among the faithful, the faithful and the humble, who be counted worthy to be able to enter in and sit with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because those places are prepared by God for us. The sons of the kingdom also had their seats prepared by God for them. They became unworthy. They lost faith in God. It's like when you don't have oxygen, you die. The Bible says the soul that sins shall die. When sin comes in, it shows that there's no faith. Spiritual death will cause this to be, ex- will, will, will cause us to be expelled from the kingdom of God. No matter how much you love a person, when the person dies, when the soul leaves, you can't keep them in your house. They might have lived with you for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. 
You can't keep them anymore. Why? Because the soul is gone. What will happen in a little while? The body is going to smell. You cannot keep them with you no matter how much you love them. And you will not want to keep them at a certain point. You know why? Because the soul is gone. This is a dead body. Same thing when it comes to the kingdom of heaven. If your faith is dead, you cannot be in the kingdom of heaven. If you don't have living faith, if you don't have the life that you need to have in order to live, the faith that you need to have in order to be in, you will be expelled out. You can't live. People with dead faith cannot live in heaven. Heaven's atmosphere is full of faith. People with dead faith will bring foul order, will pollute heaven. That'll not happen. God never allows that to happen. Same thing happens on earth. No matter how much you say, oh, God loves me, all those things, if your faith is dead, you'll be removed. A dead branch will be cut away. A person with have who has dead faith will be removed and will be replaced with those who have life. Shall we close our eyes and look to the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Holy Spirit. Praise you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. God is in our midst. Hallelujah. God is in our midst. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God is in our midst. Hallelujah. Jesus marveled at the centurion's faith and he appreciated him also at the same time. He had a very strong truth that he had to share with the people who were there. Praise God for Jesus who actually told the truth so that we don't have to be deceived. Thank you, Jesus. Take some time in the presence of the Lord and say, Lord, work in me, work in me, work in me. Hallelujah. I want to be like the centurion. I want to be among those who sit with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Hallelujah. Praise you, praise you, praise you. Hallelujah. Lord, unveil my eyes. Let me see you face to face the knowledge of you love as you
you've spoken. Your living word, sharper than a two-edged sword. It's so important, Lord. For the truth will set us free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The truth will set us free. Hallelujah. Thank you for the truth that you have given to us this day. The more truth we get, the more freedom we will walk into. Hallelujah. The more truth we get, the more free we become. Hallelujah. Thank you for your truth, O oh Lord, that dispels all the lies of the enemy. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. 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 Just take a few moments in the presence of God and thank Him for the word. Hallelujah. Say thank you, Jesus, for the word. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you have spoken to us. You have spoken to us. You have spoken to us, hallelujah. You have spoken to us, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, you have spoken to us, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 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 We praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, hallelujah. Oh, Lord, may we be like the centurion who had great faith. Be like the people who have great faith, who will enter in, hallelujah. May we be among the people, O Lord. Lord, I want to be in that number when the saints go marching in. Lord, I want to be in that number when the saints go marching in. Lord, I want to be in that number when Hallelujah. Marching in. Lord, I want to be in that number. When the saints go marching in. All along with the people who will come from the east and from the west. May we be people, O oh Lord, who will be with them. In the kingdom, hallelujah. With Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, hallelujah. With our Lord Jesus Christ, hallelujah. With great joy, may we be found in your presence. If we are not found in your presence on earth, we can be found in your presence in heaven. What we live here is a reflection of where we're going to be. So I pray, Father, that you will speak to every single one here that they may look at their own lives in the light of your scripture and walk 
a way that they ought to walk, even as how Christ walked. Hallelujah. Lord, with this blessing, I bless your people with. Let this night be a night of greater clarity and greater drawing closer to Jesus. That this word that you have released from heaven, from the mouth of God, through the mouth of your servant, to the ears of your people, may it bear much fruit. Let it bear much fruit. Let it bear much fruit. Thank you, Lord. I praise you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen.